should you decide to accept it. Welcome to yet another episode of the Your Mission Pod, where we are cutting the breeder's last splash. This was Thomas' suggestion this week, and I think it was refreshing for all of us. Yeah, I I actually, this was a Hail Mary pick for me. I actually had settled on something totally else, and I don't remember what happened in the middle of the last episode to to remind me that this was a thing that we should do. But I was reminded, and it was a thing we should do, and now we've done it. (laughs) Yeah. and It was the same year. It was released the same year as the last uh, album. Right. Yeah, it was. It's another 93 album. How many? Yeah. We're up to a fair amount of 93 records. Well, let me tell you something. If if y'all didn't already know, someone has put on Wikipedia, and I don't know if it's a complete and thorough collection, but you can actually click on albums released in by year, and scroll through. Mm -hmm. And I that is where I actually got several ideas that I had honestly just forgotten about. So Mm. worth doing if you have that kind of free time if you're stuck on a couch for most of your day (laughs) yeah i wish dude 1993 i was this was like ryan i think this was like prime like judy's drugstore i don't know it was like seventh grade for us it was seventh grade for us yeah i think yeah i think but but i went to school in west virginia i'm very slow yeah yeah i know yeah it's hard to know they all bleed together i think this was seventh grade and yeah, there's a lot of great music, a lot of cool stuff going on, a lot of exciting things going on, I feel. And um, also, 93 was the Blizzard. I don't know if you guys remember that. Oh, yeah. Was that the one that like we had four and a half feet of snow or something like that? <laughs> yeah, dude, the, it was the one where I feel like we didn't go to school for two months. And it was cool. Like, they didn't try to make it up or anything. It was just cool. I think <laughs> I remember shoveling my dad's driveway with snow that was up to my chest. Dude, me, me and my brother shoveled all the driveways on Judy Street that year. And I, right. got en- I had enough money to get a Venom number one with a glow-in-the-dark cover. Glow-in-the-dark cover. I remember that quote. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so... Very specific memories there, but some someone is echoing. Sorry. I hate to be the one that says it's Toma every time. <laughs> it it might be me. I can I can quit out and rejoin. That's no biggie. Yeah. I, I don't know why it always chooses to do that from your computer. Me neither. Don't know, but it's not doing uh, anyway. Okay, we're good. We're good, yeah. solid. Anyway, so, yeah. We'll just power through. Power and, through. You know. If it fucks up, then I'll let you know, and then we'll, like, pause and think about kicking you off the stream, and then not, and then it'll fix itself. But anyway, back to 93. <laughs> oh, now it came back. Yeah. All right, so let me... Oh. It doesn't want me to talk really? about 1993. All right. No, apparently none of... You can talk about your snow shoveling, but the second we actually get into the topic, we're supposed to... <laughs> Maybe we just right. make you talk this entire time, because you yeah. echo us, but we don't echo you. Yeah, so that's you the just, funny thing. Let's let you do your thing. We're just going to hang out. <laughs> I got plenty to drink here. sign language to communicate. Yeah, dude. I think I remember a little bit of This could be a very of easy episode for me, for sure. 
<laughs> Let me talk about the breeders, I guess, in general first. So it was formed by Kim Deal in 89 with her identical twin sister, Kelly, and Tanya Donnelly of Throwing Muses. And that band name sounds super familiar to me, but I could not tell you what they've done. It's, I don't know. I know they were around. I've heard the name back in the day. I don't know. Super familiar to me too, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't have any specific memories of any songs or anything. And also Jim McPherson, who the internet says played in Guided by Voices. Hmm. So... There's that. But there are Kim and Kelly and Jim are apparently all from Dayton. That's their hometown, Dayton, Ohio. And they're still there. And I guess Jim McPherson has like a day job as a carpenter, which I think is very, I don't know. Something about that just tickles me. That's cool. Like they all have, they all have day jobs. Kim Deal, I think work at, she got like some sort of uh, bio chemistry degree and worked in a, like a hospital and a re- yeah isn't that wild I just it's wild to think of these musicians who you like are so iconic in your your childhood as, as being like regular people sometimes dude because uh, Kelly well both of them went to rehab both of the deal sisters went to rehab eventually but yeah. I think the breeders broke up not so long after this record came out because of Kelly's like heroin problem and sure. like I, I, I kept thinking about yeah because I read that about how they were like they worked in like a lab or something and I was like like I wonder if maybe like they got their hands on some shit back then and is that when that started or, I don't know I maybe that's like, idle speculation like I feel yeah. like when you're in the breeders and you hang around you open for Nirvana sometimes I feel like that's around and accessible enough to you that you don't have to get it you don't need medical grade no you I don't just, it's around. <laughs> I, I love the idea that like musicians would have a day job. Like it would be like wouldn't it be a lovely thing if whatever your employer is didn't balk at you going on tour for three months? Yeah. You know? and we gotta go do a thing. Turns out I recorded an album. Give me like three months to tour Europe, I'll be back. And then you know well, yeah. there was back in when I was in Philly and I worked at that nonprofit, we would hire uh, college students to do like data annotation and we got a surprising number of like musicians and, and the, their deal was because like the work would come like almost full-time hours but like for two months at a time and then there wouldn't be any work for two months that sort of deal so it was like perfect for them like they would do all their stuff and then plan out a tour so we had three or four different bands <laughs> that were doing this work Think about it. I think you're right, Lewis. We got maternity leave, and then we need paternity leave, and then after that, we need promotion leave. These are all goals. This is a platform you should run. Some people would say that it is not that different than maternity or paternity leave. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, many of them take nine months to make. It's very labor-intensive. Sure. When the revolution comes, man. Yes, When absolutely. the revolution comes, we'll make it happen. No doubt. I, I think, for me, what I can say is that this last week... I feel like I say this a lot, but like on this podcast, but this last week was like, it was a crazy ass week for me for lots of reasons. And I got a chance to, I feel like I looked forward to being able to listen to this record. It's not that long and you just put it on and like transported me to the, to that time. And I feel like with them, cause like I remember Cannonball, like I feel like with them, like you just felt, wow, they were going to be like the next hot shit. Do you know? I remember, I, I, I don't know, because they opened for Nirvana, and I just, I, you just thought, I don't know, you just thought that they had it coming, and the funny thing is, I never listened to the Pixies <laughs> until college. 
And oh really? Yeah, I don't. I, here comes your man. Sorry, that's pr okay. That's probably not true. Here comes your man. I think I remember like the video playing, but that's about it. And I certainly didn't know anything about them. So, but I knew I, Cannibal. I like it was like a huge hit. It was like all over MTV. I remember watching the video and. It's one of those songs that like is synonymous with the 90s sound now. Like if you want to show that your movie or TV show or whatever <laughs> happened, if you want a shortcut for dating it, you could throw that song on like with an intro credit and yeah. people immediately know, oh yeah, this is like the mid 90s, like do we're you, here. We're do you feel it. like the song, do you feel like it, it sounds dated? No, I, so one of the things I was thinking about with this album is that maybe the reason it didn't break is that for a lot of the bands that did break out, there was a little bit more consistency of sound across an album. Yeah. Whereas this is really like eclectic, like in terms of there's a song that sounds like almost everything. There's some funky stuff. There's that great. There's that great country, like yeah. alt country Driving song, like. Yeah, there's just so much that happens in this album, and I could see a world where Cannonball is your first single, you struggle to get that same kind of punch with everything else. Mm. Like, Divine Hammer's okay, but it gets a little tedious. There's something one of my... This. Well, go ahead, go ahead, Jane. I was just going to say, that's actually... Divine Hammer is one of my least favorites on here. I skip it. That's funny. That was the second single, right? What that was the, the second single. I don't remember. Probably. I think that's right. So I remember hearing that song like in the ether, not at the time, later. But I'd never made the connection. It was a breeder song. Yeah, it's definitely one of the songs that makes me think of that Barucasol sound, that 90s, mm. like, female lead, like, alt-rock sound. Do you know, do you, there's something about a lot of these early 90s acts that I kind of love. Which is that they were all like a little bit off kilter and weird and quirky, and that was like, mm -hmm. and not and not afraid to be like funny and silly, and not like in a negative way necessarily, like just in a kind of like having fun sort That's of so way. Serious. Yeah. yeah. And so there were four. Sorry. I was just gonna say, I, I really wish we'd had the internet then, because I would love to have experienced some of these folks on Twitter. I feel like that. Would've... <laughs> I would. I think one of the main reasons that I didn't get into this that much when I was in high school was just total lack of college radio where yeah. we were. Like, MTV was we the only had a college, I think, yeah, if we would have had a college radio station, there's a lot of stuff we would have been listening to that we didn't hear until we all got to college. Right. Or, Tommy, you had an older brother, but... When I had my dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, your dad. Who outpulls like, all of us all the right. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, no. So, so there were four tracks four singles off this cannonball divine hammer saints and yeah. no, aloha. no aloha is the surprise single to me like really yeah no aloha is my favorite yeah. song on the record listen I, no, agreed but yeah. like in terms of selling it on the radio in the early 90s i don't, yeah. I don't know if, i don't know if that's the one you do it with that's, that's funny no aloha like the beginning of it like what's the phrase it like makes me like i don't know the hairs on my back type of deal, right? Like it's it really it's, and I feel like it's just it's yeah it's just the the sound of it is a sound that like anticipated a lot of other stuff. It was like I think after the fact super influential or at least predicted a lot of sounds that came later. 
but there's a little Kurt Vile, there's a little Courtney Barnett. Yeah, there's there yeah, stuff. there's some good stuff, man. I love that song. And dude, there's songs that are like basically almost like shoegaze and yeah, you, know, you you were speaking mm-hmm. to the diversity of this record. I just feel I guess just back to having the chance to listen to this stuff and the vibe of that time. It was a vibe that was just like I just feel anything could have broken. And it could have sounded totally different. And think about it, like you had like bands like Nirvana, you had bands like Pearl Jam and Soundgarden that sounded different. Like everyone tried to lump them all together, but they, they really did sound different. You had the Pumpkins, you had these guys in the Pixies, you had the had Primus. Do you remember Primus oh, was like a big Pri- fucking yeah, deal? Absolutely. And yeah. sound nothing yeah. like this. And it was like Primus music was funny and weird. And so there was this like vibe of like funny and weird was cool. And that was all happening at, oh, go ahead, you're not done. No, I was just going to say, like, that, that, just that vibe, like, yeah. I miss that vibe in music just generally, and it aligned, like, really close to, like, my own sense of what I would want to do. Yeah, no, it was a time when, like, people were just being goofy, and it was, like, fine, it was fine. And I don't mean goofy in as they were just, like, dicking around, but there was, and this was happening at the same time, because around the same time that, like, John was playing Cannonball a lot. There was, I distinctly recall, there was like one night where he was like, had Winona's Big Brown Beaver on, like full volume, and was like, had made up some dance to it and was just like dancing around the kitchen table to it. And, and it was great. I was like, this is a good time in music. This is just where yeah. it's at. You anything, know? anything was like, I really feel like back then, and it's not just true in like rock, but also in like hip hop too, anything was possible. Like anything mm-hmm. could have come out next. It could have sounded completely different and found like a big audience and been on MTV. And that, that's not something I don't think, I don't think is like necessarily the case anymore, especially on like pop radio. And it makes me sad. I feel like this is maybe one of the last times, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that there's a lot of, I don't know if it's people taking themselves too seriously, maybe. I'm not sure what it is, but the vibe is not the same. I agree with you. It is not the same. Yep, and uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know if it's like a serious thing, but okay, the kind of like fun that the hair metal bands like would show in like their videos and stuff, that didn't feel fun to me. <laughs> like it just didn't, right? The fucking like chicks and the cars and the fucking hair and the like, yeah, I don't know, strumming your fucking guitar like it's your dick. All that stuff was just, it was obviously, or it seems like at least they appeared to be having a lot of fun. But for me, it just seemed like corny. I just remember just being like, this is like boring and kind of corny. And so like you had all these bands come along that were just different and weird and young. They were super young too and different sounds, weird sounds. So I just, to me, this record transports me to that time, which like, again, I am sure I'm romanticizing because I was like 12 then, but Mm -hmm. it, it was a really cool time when I felt like any, you feel like anything was possible. Yeah, and, and even though I wasn't listening to this album then, it still works really well for that, for me. Yeah, it just, it's, it's, yeah, you covered it. It's got a really, like, easy approach. It's got a really, like, fun, kind of boppy sound to it. And it also just, it's not afraid to turn up the distortion and rock and turn up the violin and play an all country. <laughs> like, it's, right. Like the the I don't I know I don't know how to pronounce it. Raw, like royal or king. Or well, yeah, um, in French, yeah. 
Yeah, so like those tracks remind me of like at the drive-in, like definitely, a, almost like a hardcore type of sound, almost like an emo yeah. hardcore type of sound, like an emo hardcore kind of yeah, totally. You're good. Yeah, I just want to get in even to the. Okay, I guess there's one more other thing maybe we should talk about, and this is not anything I was aware of at the time. It's just stuff that I've been reading, like some of the articles I read about, because like they did like a twentieth. I guess the this lineup. Uh, did anybody get a chance to listen to the 20th anniversary release of this? It did no. not. No. Not yet. Yeah, I couldn't find it either. It was really disappointing. Yeah. So I, they re they reunited this like this lineup and did a tour and re-released the record and like a three disc version, all that stuff. But and there was a bunch of articles written around 2013 about this album, and what they always mention is like the Breeders had an opportunity to be like one of the biggest rock bands in the world and it didn't happen and it didn't happen right. because of their drug stuff like the band like basically disintegrated like a year later and they couldn't get their shit together and like they had a platinum album they were opening for nirvana and they couldn't parlay that into like superstardom and they had like, the deal sisters and like they had the cool songs and the poppy songwriting like most of these tunes are really catchy and it didn't happen and again nothing i was aware of at the time and i wonder what like the deals and and the band would have says to that <laughs> if that was like a real thing or a realistic thing but it's something to win wonder about if could this band have been as big as no doubt i think they could have there was enough interest and enough big names who were like hyping them that it could have absolutely. You had Kurt Cobain saying that Pod was his fa one of his favorite albums. Steve Albini, who produced some of their albums, was I read earlier today he'd said that whenever Kelly has some, sh whenever she's trying to achieve some kind of sound in the studio, she's trying she's listening for something that only she can hear and he's and i've just learned to trust her and go for it because her instincts are always dead on you should, they had a lot of respect around that time from people whose opinions mattered yeah i think the only thing is like i was thinking like okay could they have been no doubt and could kim have been like a gwen stefani and the thing is i don't know about the latter and the reason is yeah but she had a lot of baggage from the pixies and I don't, she's just to fuck you, I feel like, maybe, to have achieved, like, the pop stardom of, like, Gwen Stefani. Well, but, alright, but to be fair, like, most of the breakup songs on Tragic Kingdom are written about the basses of the band, right? Like, almost every song on that <laughs> it's album. It's about the basses. Like, <laughs> it's about the bass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, like, like, in terms of relationship baggage turning into music, the potential is there. I just... The thing that I wonder is, would it have gotten the kind of airplay that it needed? Like, I think No Doubt became No Doubt because, like, you know, when Tragic Kingdom singles started dropping, like, they started playing, like, everywhere, all the time. So it's just thrust into stardom because of, like, availability and presentation a lot of times. It's not to say that it's bad, but, like, Sometimes it's just a matter of the right set of DJs or nowadays clear channel deciding mm -hmm. to dump your music into the airways at such a rate that people get a chance to like really appreciate it. Like I think Cannonball is a really easy single to, to fall into. I think it happens within the first like 20 seconds of the song. 
Like certainly the moment that like I that octave changing baseline starts playing your hook. But like it's mysterious, right? That baseline is okay. Where's this going? It yeah. Sounds cool. It's a, so a little bouncy. Okay, where's this going? And it, yeah, it's also one of the longest songs on this record. Actually, it's really cool to listen to two minute songs because a bunch of these are two minute songs and two minute songs are hard like they're hard to to me like they're hard to make do i don't know deliver a proper song over just two minutes yeah i guess it depends like you can deliver a ramon song in like a minute 45 seconds and the only thing you wanted was more even though there was the same riff the whole time like these guys deliver a lot of complexity in two minutes that's, That's what I mean. There's That's, a lot that they're able to do with that two-minute time span. I think you can make some really good short songs, but the sensibility to take like the verse and manipulate it so much and, and just yeah, really good. I, I think also I would have had if I would have known more about them back then, I totally would have had such a huge crush on the Deal Sisters. Like they were so cool. They are still right. cool, right? But they, like they were. I think I, I thought it was such a. A thing, I don't know if weird is the right word, but something that had never occurred to me is that they might actually want to be like a Gwen Stefani type character. And I, I, I feel like Kim wanted, she was serious and she would much probably, or at least, I don't know, but she seems like the kind of person who would want to be respected for her sound and her abilities. And if people thought she was like some really hot smoking like front woman, then like bonus. But I think she always seemed more serious about the music to me. Yeah, it's a band that like, you can tell their inspirations come from bands like Sonic Youth that like value like the integrity of what they're doing. It's not really just let's bang out a radio track. like. It's, there's a sound. They're going for a sound on every track and that sound varies a lot. There's a track that's early pumpkins, like early pumpkins, kind of shoegaze, Invisible Man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, that's a good one. That's like the moment that punches in, it's okay. You guys have been listening to My Bloody Valentine too and you did something (laughs) a little different with this. I like it. Yep, yep, that's, yeah. There are songs on here where I'm just like, okay, I feel again, it just anticipated even all like these like subgenres of rock that are like alive and going today. Some of them they didn't originate, but at least some of them they referred to. Like I think No Aloha, which is like my favorite song on the record, that song is like the father of Beach House. <laughs> like, like to me, yeah. right? Like it's like... It's, that, a, it's ahead of its time for that, like, taking off. Totally. It's like, a, I don't yeah. know, I don't know what people call it, like, dream pop or whatever the fuck they call it, but whatever that sound is, I feel like, wow. I was like, I listened to it, and I was like, wow, this song is, it could be like an early Beach House or like a little bit more rock of a version of a Beach House song. Yeah. But yeah, they were, yeah, they were so, they were so cool. They were in this, like, super cool band, the Pixies. Again, I didn't know anything about them. The only thing I knew about the Pixies, I guess, in high school would have been that Kurt Cobain, I remember reading some interview. See, Kurt Cobain, he would drop these little references to bands in interviews or whatever. I mean, the Meat Puppets, there's no way in hell I would have known who the Meat Puppets were, or the Melvins, like... They owe their careers, in many cases, like, to the estate of... (laughs) the Cobain estate, like... 
it spread the word in a way that okay aerosmith was big on like regular like consumer radio mm-hmm. you didn't hear steve perry or steve tyler or joe perry coming on uh, radio talking about the obscure bands that got them into rock like artists weren't doing that kind of stuff and Kurt Cobain was really quick to throw on. Unplugged in New York was an intro to so many... The Vaselines. The Vaselines. This is a Scottish... David Bowie, Meat Puppets, Vaselines. So the the Vaselines, they were a Scottish, like, indie pop, like, band. Like, nobody knew about them. Nobody knew about them. And Kurt Cobain covers one of their songs and mentions them on Unplugged in New York. And that leads to Katie, my wife, having one of their, like, a collection of their music on CD when I met her. And mm. let me tell you that Katie has really good taste in music, but she would have never, ever listened to a Scottish indie pop band from the 80s <laughs> had it not been for Kurt Cobain. And also Lead Belly. He covered Lead Belly, too. Lead Belly, too. Yeah. Yeah, he was really good about communicating to his band. Like, Daniel Johnson. Like, he had the Daniel Johnson shirt. He had the shirt. He would. He wore it like at a bunch of interviews. I think maybe maybe on Spin magazine, like on the cover, he wore the shirt. And his, what's the name of that Daniel Johnson? The song. It's like where I can't remember what the. Anyway, it's been so long since I dug in. On anyway, Daniel he wa- he yeah he so he took all these opportunities yeah. to shout out all these bands that like no one knew about. Plus, Mudhoney. You know, get... There's other bands like from that scene yeah. too that he was like super into and. So yeah, get people like Pat Smear to play in the band. The Germs, yeah, like, Pat Smear, the Germs. Oh, the fucking Germs. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Plus, at one of these interviews, yeah. Cobain said that when he was writing the Nevermind, he was writing the songs for Nevermind, he was like, I was just trying to write Pixie songs. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, like, that's what he said. And that was it. That was all that I knew until probably, like I said, Here Comes Your Man was on, like, MTV or something. And... And that's it. I didn't. I got into the Pixies much later in college. Like uh, I had a guy who lived next door who introduced me to a lot of cool music, and he had Surferosa. He had the Surferosa CD. I remember, and I ripped it and listened to it, and it's so just so awesome. It rocks so hard. It rocks in an uncontrolled, crazy ass way. And yeah, that started me down the path of that. And eventually, I got to the Breeders. He also had this record and. Pod, yeah, he had these those two records. He had those, so I listened to both those, and uh, then I, so you find out about the Deal Sisters and all that stuff. He also had this other record, I think that was Kim Deal's next band, but is the Amps. Mm-hmm. I remember yeah. seeing. I don't think I ever listened to it. I just remember seeing it in his collection. So he's obviously a big fan. Andy Carr, shout out to Andy Carr. Hope he's doing all right. <laughs> Uh, but but anyway, yeah, there's a bunch, like I said, I was saying before, there's a bunch of songs in here that, like, I feel like anticipated or referred to these little strands here and there that either became big during that time or manifested eventually. And so that was, it was nice. It was nice. I, I liked the diversity of the sounds. Like, it took me to a lot of different places, which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was really nice to listen to, to dust this one off. When was the first and, time you listened to this, Jenny, if you don't mind me asking? God, I really think I probably started listening to it in 93 when it came out because I am 
almost certain that Last Splash was a BMG special, and those were usually pretty current. But it was Dude. like the, the flavor of the month. Damn. And it was, and, and so this dovetails into what I was getting at earlier, which is that when I first started listening to this album, my, let me put it this way, before I came back to this album this time, I was like, oh yeah, I already know my favorites. Obviously Cannonball and No Aloha, I've always loved that one. And Saints, I've actually always loved Saints a lot. But this time I found some others that kind of, I think got overshadowed in the early days. Cause Cannonball is such a monster. It just really overshadows everything. And you put it on and you're just like, and me, I'm such a fucking impatient listener. If I just want to spend my time listening to the best music and I don't want to spend it like listening to something I may or may not like be that into. But this time, Hag is now my favorite song. You guys know that now, since we talked about it last time, that I order them in, in favorite. Yeah. And my reasoning for that is because putting them in a good playlist order might be helpful for someone who's going to actually sit down and listen all the way through. But for people like me with short attention spans, I'm just putting the best stuff top. And in yeah. case that's the only one you get to. Another one of those songs that like I heard and yeah, it, there, I, was so, there was so, the first time I cut this into a playlist, I think maybe I left off Mad Lucas. There wasn't much that wasn't on my playlist. And yeah, it could have been a few different flavors when I started cutting it. Oh, I realized what happened is like this, the more I thought about it, and I was like, you know, that intro, I don't love the intro and it doesn't really grab you. And just something about it, just if that were it itself by a song, I would cut it. But then they switch into that second part and I'm now currently in love with it. And I just listened to it on repeat, just that second part. It's so good. I don't know. I don't know. I think that's what happened is that early on, I just put it on. And they did that a couple times. Like they would start a song one way, like slow, like eh. Like No Aloha starts off really slow. And then like halfway through, just bam, like you've just got this totally switched up, not totally switched up, but just it turns into almost a different song. And it's they're the masters of the mistresses of that, I guess. <laughs> the other thing that I found is that like the experience of listening to it, like playing in the room versus on headphones was very different for me. Like. I definitely came to really appreciate Mad Lucas as I was like listening to it on headphones because there's this great like really low kind of background feedback like that really delivers on the full track but it's hard to hear that without something connected to your head like it's so it's tracked so low compared to everything else that yeah it's a really unique song. And that's another thing about this album, is that I love the sound on it. I just do. It's it's perfect, and I don't think it could be any better. And so when I was going through trying to find videos for the after party, I was trying to find like live performances of songs. And I went through seven or eight of them, and I was like, no, it's just not as good. I can't <laughs> do this to this song. But so, I just love the sound. It's so good. I have to bring up the lyrics. I'm, yeah, I have to bring up the lyrics. So some of these lyrics are really fucking weird and like in No Aloha she's like talking about it was written on the wall like Motherhood what? means mental freeze. Men means it's just like <laughs> it's like right. what? Freeze heads and, the, and just And the style of it is almost sweater songy because they're not always full sentences. Well. They're just especially Hag is that way. It just is like 
phrases and was, like here and there. I was thinking so. I was thinking like on this pod, like we would do two, like uh, a two new two segments where each one of us names our our sweater song and each one of us names our free bird. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just a preview. That's my sweater song of this album, definitely. It's totally yeah. like one of those where I love. It's like a little bit of a kiss off, like no aloha, right? No bye. <laughs> but at the same time, it's the lyrics are bizarre enough and open to interpretation in such a way that it's a sweater song for me. <laughs> it hangs. She's just. It, it says coastal cutthroat you dirty switch you're on again and i'm just like i have honestly been thinking all week what does that mean it is perplexed me and i have thought way more about it than i have ever thought about a lyric in my whole life yeah i would love to know the backstories behind these i really would yeah no good good yeah good call i did do a cursory look on on genius.com oh yeah I don't know if you guys ever yeah check out genius but yeah, there's not a lot to go off of. Most people are pretty like befuddled. And like with Cannonball, like she's like, I know you little libertine. Like, dude, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll read something from Genius, okay? Okay, do it. So Kim Deal says, Cannonball is the first single. So this is a good one to tell you about because Last Splash, the title of the album, comes from some of the lyrics in the song. My sister was reading a biography on the Marquis de Sade. And I'm making fun of him. I'm saying, oh, you little libertine, you're a real cuckoo. If you want to go to hell, come on, let's go to hell. Don't just jump in and do a cannonball. That's great. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to be right behind you. I'm going to be the last fucking splash. Nice. It's a commitment to hell, is what, like is what Kim says. So anyway, yeah, like, again, okay, maybe I wouldn't have been able to put that together. The libertine thing, like, I read the Marquis de Sade, so I know about libertines, but... That would have been a, like a little bit of a leap, but the spirit is definitely let's go to hell. So like, it's it, it it's cool. It's cool that you have lyrics that are like thoughtful in some kind of way and like a couple of different layers and not like just cliche after cliche Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that there's like open to interpretation, weird makes you think. Like when I heard that No Aloha, I was like, what? Okay, what? <laughs> Someone on the what? The wall wrote what? So yeah, no, confusing but interesting. Interesting, not in a bad way. Not confusing in a what the fuck. Like confusing more in like what she's yeah way. exactly. I wonder yeah, what she's trying to say here, kind of way. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, I think that her focus has always been the music anyway. So I feel like the the lyrics she had mentioned in one article I read that. When they, when her and Kelly were writing songs when they were teenagers, she was like, "Yo, the lyrics were, they were bad. Like they were bad. They were not good. They had nothing to do with us or our lives." And I feel like that's always been a point. It's funny. Like you do, I do read some. I read Genius sometimes, and sometimes there will be like a just like a, a user that will comment with their interpretation of the song. And sometimes you read this shit, and you're just like, "Man, this dude, what, like." What is going on over here? So, for No Aloha, there's a dude, I'm going to shout out here, Crass Zorro, <laughs> is his name? Yeah, of course. <laughs> so, he says, three years ago, he said, No Aloha is a song about being dumped for someone else and using drugs, presumably psychedelics, such as cannabis. Presumably. <laughs> Cannab- oh, yes, that, that notable psychedelic, 
cannabis. I mean, how, of course. I will say that, man, I did, I did indulge in the last like couple of years. I have indulged in the last couple of years, and it is the kind of stuff they have now. It is akin to, for me, mm. <laughs> almost a psychedelic experience. But anyway. But in 1993, though, I don't think weed was doing that. that dirt weed of 1993. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not psychedelic in the least. Maybe yeah. made you a little hungry. Um, maybe, yeah. Maybe it was. Maybe it was transported or soaked in something. Maybe, yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe you took an extra trip to Krispy Kreme, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, Nola has a song about being dumped for someone else and using drugs, presumably psychedelics such as cannabis, to heal oneself. Kim, a rock star, was left for a rock promoter, right? Because in the lyrics she says, "No bye, no aloha, gone with a rock promoter." A rock promoter I know, I saw, and now may die. Okay? So then, but this is with the part where it starts getting a little ridiculous, right? Oh, there, it starts. Well. <laughs> this is where that begins. Okay, yeah. There are two deaths. One is the death the ego undergoes when the person you love abruptly leaves you. The other is the death the self undergoes when in the midst of a fantastic drug trip. Freeze Heads is a dig at bourgeois values like matrimony and eventually motherhood and a retaliation for being labeled a pothead. <laughs> the death of the ego. I'm amazed know, look, that I'm anyone gonna... could just get, could claim to know for sure what those lyrics meant except for her herself. Also, and certainly not that. Also, literally, there are like 30 words in the whole song. The, the interpretation is longer than the song. Yeah. <laughs> the death of the ego. Now, look... I want to give credit to Kim Deal. She's smart, talented, a great songwriter, all that cool shit. Is she talking about the death of the ego in this song? I don't think so. No. I don't know. No. I don't know. I wonder, I also wonder if like artists like make up fake names and go on there and, and say what their song lyrics really mean. But even if that were, maybe that happens sometimes. I don't think she would be Crass Soro. I don't think that's a name she would be. <laughs> It was yeah. Kelly. Right. It was Frank Black, actually. It was Frank Black. Yeah, yeah it was Frank Black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so. Anyway, yeah, no, I thought the lyrics, like, the, the lyrics for me, they belong in the word soup of 90s lyrics, but not in a bad sure. way. Yeah. In a cool well, and, and having having things broke down, yeah. Like, having them break down the lyrics is funny. Like, the idea that that came from Mark Dubasad, you know, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's so free association and weird, but once it gets explained, it's pretty funny. But, like, believable, right? Yeah, I no, see it's it. good to see that, like, they can tie it to a moment, explain it, you know, better than Crass's or <laughs> Do you want Kim's, like, paragraph on the meaning of Divine Hammer? Divine Hammer. Sure. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's mainly about looking for something so hard through your life that people said was there. When I grew up and went to Sunday school, they said it was going to be really great. I believed everything everybody told me, and that's why I'm so pissed off now. Okay. Understandable. <laughs> I can sympathize. Oh, I did go to Sunday school for a time. Not that long. Ryan, you went to Sunday school, right? I have, believe it or not, been to a Sunday school once or twice in my life. Never really willingly, but I've been. <laughs> At whose insistence? To my grandma. Okay. Yeah. Not actually. She spends a lot of time watching Fox News these days. We aren't super close. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, no, I yeah, I didn't go like unwillingly necessarily, but I have a Sunday school story. It's pretty dumb, but I'll tell it anyway. We were playing hangman in Sunday school. Believe it or not. To pass the time and I this I was like I must have been like eight or nine or something. I was super young. And I was sitting there and they had that on the board there was a hangman being drawn and then seven letters, right? Blank letters, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I remember looking at it and I remember thinking, I know what the answer is. I looked at it and I was like, it's giraffe. I didn't know how I knew and I didn't know like, there was no, it wasn't like we were doing animals. I just had this overwhelmed, like, just this feeling overcome. Like, it's draft. And so he, so the, I remember the Sunday school teacher was like, he, he, like, he wrote all the blanks. I saw it. I realized it's giraffe. And I went to raise my hand because I wanted to guess. <laughs> I wanted to guess. I was like, I know what it is. And he looked at me and was like, you don't know what it is. We just started. You don't have any idea what it is. And I couldn't say it. And it was fucking giraffe. <laughs> and that is the closest moment that I think I've ever had to like some sort of spirituality. Like <laughs> that was the crossroads. That one. I think so. It must have been because like that. It's the only time where I've like just been overcome with I know what this is with no like reason to know it. Like just the feeling came to me. God spoke to me. Let's just say. God spoke to you. Like it. <laughs> it's it's giraffe. giraffe. Giraffe, dude. You're welcome. And then and I organized religion fucked it up. I know, and that, exactly. <laughs> That's the metaphor. And then I couldn't yeah. say it. I wasn't allowed to say it. I was like, I know what the fuck it is. So, anyway, that's my story. <laughs> Let's go back to the breeders. <laughs> yeah, I, this was really refreshing for me because there's not a lot of, not a lot of music that I didn't listen to at all in the 90s. I, I don't know. Like, this was... It was nice to take like Cannonball and expand it into something a little bit more familiar and I have no idea, like a lot of what we've listened to I've had some kind of history with. I had no history with this, this album. So it was really fun to find something that feels nostalgic and original and holds up well. Yeah. Holds up super well. What did you guys think of, I, I didn't want to maybe go through a couple of tracks. What'd you guys think of? Let's start with the with the alt country song, which was like a Correct. real surprise, like yep. a real surprise really and a real welcome surprise, if you ask me. Um, yeah. Driving on the so, line. I'll throw in quickly that Kim Deal in an in a interview I was reading today said that sometimes when she plays this, like she'll still get tears in her eyes because it's such a beautiful song. She thinks. I thought that was cute. So this is, I think, the only song that the Deal Sisters, or that, yeah, I think this is the only song Deal Sisters didn't actually write. I think mm. they wrote every other song. If I, or like, at least one of them had a hand in writing every other song, I believe. Yeah, who actually wrote this track? Because this is almost like a Jayhawk track. Like, it's really, okay. really yeah. an interesting choice. Uh, yeah, it's a, it was somebody that, no, sorry, we're getting to echo again. Okay, hold on, wait a second. Um, is it better now? Yes. Oh, no. So maybe it, no. I was going to say, maybe it happens when I actually maximize the stream screen. I don't know. That's so weird. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Okay, it's by a band called... So, it's written by members of a band called Ed's Redeeming Qualities. And so, Carrie Bradley was the violinist on the song. And so she played with the breeders sometimes. And she was a founding member of this band, Ed's Redeeming Qualities, which is like an alt-folk band around this time. Yeah, and it was written by members of that band. So this is a cover, really. I don't know anything about Ed's Redeeming Qualities. <laughs> I don't either, but I like that name. So all, all, mu all music has a pretty decent biography on them, actually, that I'll have to tear into later. Including a line that says a reviewer described them as the David Lynch of folk. <laughs> that oh, that's nice. cool. That's cool. It sounds see that it sounds like then I should probably check them out or something, right? Okay. Yeah. But it also yeah, yeah. the original version of this song. Or no. Okay. This is funny. This song came out on a, a record called Big Grapefruit Cleanup Job. <laughs> <laughs> I love album names of the 90s. They're so fucking good. Yeah. Like, by right. Ed's Redeeming Qualities, but this... But that, now, that album is even better because we now have the relevance of Grapefruit in the last couple of years, so... Oh yeah, totally. Driving on Nine is on that record, but that record came out, I think, two years later, two years after the Breeders record came out. So I think they wrote the song, the Breeders performed it, and then they performed their own song on their own record. Nice. And apparently their, their sound is like violin, acoustic guitar, ukulele, accordion, clarinet, and mandolin. And their uh, album covers are like early meat puppets. Like, they look very hand-drawn. Yeah. Yeah, there's, the first album is called More Bad Times, and the review is creative lo-fi folk with a silliness that is almost but not quite cloying. Humorous lyrics with instruments like xylophones, ukuleles, and a coffee can. Speaking of album covers, if you look at the album cover for Pod, apparently, I would not have been able to figure this out just looking at it, but apparently it's a man doing a fertility dance wearing a belt of eels. <laughs> yeah. And if you see the picture, yeah. I was like, I would not I get it. That. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I would have guessed it, but now that you mention it. Uh, yeah. I, and I guess what so the name the name of the band of breeders was, so it was basically Kim and Kelly's like, band when they first started playing music that was like the name of it and it was totally like just an f you to like we're not gonna be moms and all that deal we're not gonna be like some parents yeah exactly right ironically calling themselves the breeders anyway i like I, I love i love that song it's really pretty it's really nice it's cool that it's at the end and takes us takes us out like on the record i like the different sounds and it correlates to like this kind of, you know how I was saying different songs correlate to different like genres and different like things going on in music. Like clearly this correlates yeah. to like that alt folk, alt country stuff that was happening. It was popping out yeah. around that time. Which is cool that there's like a direct sort of connection there. That song was on all of our cuts. Flipside, Flipside was a fun track. Flipside was like, also on all of our cuts. Rock. Yeah. So let me actually, I'm gonna put that on there real quick. Flipside is one of the instrumentals. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Which Roy almost is an instrumental. Almost. As one line, <laughs> repeated twice. So this is as close as to surf. This is like, well, best coast? Like yeah, totally. Like a best coast down to it. 
Sounds like Best Coast. Yeah, maybe a little more. But it has the organ, which is a little bit. Yeah, a little more a little old school bit, surf, yeah. like. Yeah. You know, like 50s type of thing. It's cool, dude. I'm a sucker for this. If it isn't apparent to anyone listening to this shit, like after 10 episodes, like, I'm definitely a surf, like, fanboy. You can basically turn on any, like, reverby guitar song from the 50s and I'm down. So the song is cool, just based, just predicated on that. It's like halfway through, roughly like halfway through the album too. And it's fun. It's fun, right? Yeah. I think another thing about the Pixies is, and in comparison here, the Breeders sound like they're having a lot more fun. Whether or not oh, yeah. like they are, that's, who knows, but just their music sounds a lot more fun. I'm not saying the Pixies, there aren't like Pixie songs that aren't like fun, but if you listen to Surfer Rosa, Frank Black's like vocals are really angry and go kind of nuts. Yeah. Yeah. And Kim's voice is. This is something that we should, if you guys aren't familiar with it, we should hit in the after party. We should hit Iris because Kim's voice, it, it's such like such an interesting pairing with some of the music because her voice is always just so sweet and angelic almost mm -hmm. that's not really the word i want to use but it's just so yeah maybe that's the best i'm gonna get and the only time i've ever i can never recall hearing her get screamy even remotely screamy is on iris which is a very cool song from pod it's one that i remember I think it was on some 90s compilation, and it's been really irritating me that I can't remember the name of it, because hmm. I think Pavement was on there too, there was a great Pavement song, and Iris was on there. I'll figure it out on the internet somehow, weeks from now, no doubt, but Iris is like the only one I can think of where she legitimately starts raising her voice, so I think it's worth checking out. Yeah, that would be great. This is such an interesting, like... Yeah. I really like it. I realized I omitted it accidentally on my list, but I really like this. And especially when I made that Deer Hunter connection, finally, I was like, yes, that's why I love this. It sounds so good. Yeah. What is it, Microcastle or Cryptograms? One uh, of them. Micro There's a song that reminds me so much. Yeah, Microcastle. Like, he uses this, what, it, what, it, what would you call this? vocal effect it's, it sounds like she's running her voice through a guitar and with but it has not phasing but it can't remember like what, it cuts in and out doesn't like, it, yeah it, it doesn't sound like it's like going through like a guitar pedal or something or it could be yeah right yeah yeah it's a weird sound it's like a really and and it's like yeah, a weird it's like, like kind of like whispery almost like you hear trent reznor do that a couple times in the downward spiral era where he's kind of creating some like or even mike Patton does a lot of vocal effects and yeah she does some interesting things with her voice in this that don't get duplicated anywhere else it's almost like the voice is pristine for everything else so this song but, reminds me a little bit of uh candy says the velvet underground song and some velvet mellow velvet songs that they did later on and uh, i'm totally down with a slow sad like slow sass kind of intense like, yeah so just generally but i love the i love the like scratchy distorted feedback sound that it sounds almost like a broken cassette tape playing in the background of that super lo-fi doesn't like her vocals yeah. and like the kind of vibe also sound almost like a little ariel pink in some places like sometimes i don't know it's a little more like 
slow paced and sad. He's like a little more frantic generally. Anyway, I really dig yeah, I really dig this one. This one was cool. Like I remember yeah, it came on and I just remember thinking like it's a really cool switch up from the rest of the sound and it but it fits. Yeah. And I love what they're doing with their vocal. Yeah, I'd like to get my hands on the twentieth anniversary. I'll have to do a little bit more digging. That has to be available for purchase or streaming somewhere. Jenny, the song. You the, would like to hear some of the alternate cuts, some of the demo stuff. That's fine. Jenny, the the song, the uh, soundtrack that you're thinking of, or the compilation, is called No Alternative. Oh yeah! Uh, oh my god! Wow! It's, All um, right, yeah. let me see what's on it. You it's, mentioned. Sorry. It has a cover of Sexual Healing by Soul Asylum. It has a cover of the Stone Song Bitch by the Goo Goo Dolls. Matthew Sweet, there's somebody I haven't listened to in a hot Matthew minute. Matthew Sweet is on there. Soundgarden's on there. Bob Mold is on there. The Pumpkins are on there. <laughs> Bob Mold, yes. You mentioned Andy Carr earlier. Again, second shout out to Andy Oh, Carr. yeah. Who's that was do, the right? first. That was the first time oh. I had heard Husker Du, and that shit changed my life. Yeah. Because... Like, there's, there's not a bad. He had the, he had, the, he had the hookup, man. He had the hookup. He, he yeah, there was a lot was of so cool stuff he listened to. He grew up in a place where there was like college radio. Oh, but yeah, yeah. But it's, but it's true. He had the hookup. All right, so, Alonso. Track, track seven on there. Unseen power of the picket fence. Pavement. Yeah. That is worth listening to. That right. is like, that is like the '90s in, encapsulated. I feel like. Right, I've recently to, gone back to, to a little bit of pavement. Nice. Which which one? That's what I was about to pull off. Howie Zowie? Or maybe Slam yeah. Enchanted? Or maybe... I think it was Slam Enchanted. Slam Enchanted um, is the first one. And... Dude. So I've been listening to... And it's been a few weeks. Crooked Rain yeah. and Slam Enchanted. So good. Crooked Rain's my favorite one. Yeah. Crooked Rain's my favorite one of theirs from back then. The scene power of the picket fence is so funny just I think because of the lyrics too like it literally starts some bands I like to name check and one of them is REM it just goes on and it is goofy but I love the music because it just it builds and it, it just has a they end and it's just working up to just yelling it's funny because like pavement is definitely like these days like a like a punchline for I don't know hipster music or whatever you want to call it but but they were super silly. Like their lyrics are, they, like some of them are just ridiculous. And like <laughs> they're playing on some of the records is like pretty sloppy. And I don't know, like they're held up to this high sort of critical esteem. And I just don't even care about any of that stuff. Like I listen to their shit and they sound like very like cool and laid back and like having fun, which is I think the point. What about this song, Divine Hammer? Jenny, you said this was a skip for you on the record. Yeah, That's yeah, and I'll tell you, it is because it is, it's very ordinary, to me, like it's probably the least creative and it feels like something that like any other pop band of the 90s could have written. And I guess that's maybe not fair to it, but I think that the other songs have so much cool stuff in them that this one just puts me to sleep in comparison. So um, it gets a little too repetitive for me, I think. Yeah. I yeah, think that I, they have much more creative stuff on this album than that one. Yeah, shit. I was. I think I was the only one to. I think I was the only one to keep it in there. So, th their both their videos on this record were 
made by Spike Jones. Oh. They're not that great, but the Divine Hammer one is like pretty stupid. At least it has that going for it. I don't know. I I don't know. Yeah, I I, I can see what you're saying, Jenny. Nothing wrong with it. It's, it's nothing wrong. With it. It's like it's like I, it's a catchy. And my song. phone's too far away. Like I'm not gonna get up. To <laughs> it. It's just that I'm just like, man, I want to go listen to Hag again though. That reminds me of that that Mitch Hedberg joke. He's <laughs> I write jokes all the time, and you, you know how I can tell. Oh, wait, sorry, I'm butchering this shit. Ryan, you know the one I'm talking about. It's like I the one where. Joke. Okay, it's okay. It's it's he's like, the way I can convince myself that the joke is funny is if. I can tell myself, oh man, I'm gonna fuck this up. Alright, sorry, sorry. All right. You guys vamp and I'll fucking pull up the actual joke. <laughs> so, Fair enough. Yeah, I really appreciate this, Dylan. Like, this has been a really good listen. Like I said, this is not something that's been, like, 90s nostalgia is not a thing I find myself doing often, so it's pleasant to find one that's, like, refreshing. Like, it kind of satisfies that need for like nostalgia if I wanted yeah. to chase that, but I don't have any memories tied to it, so it's fresh and, and I really enjoy it. I am glad, especially like having a fresh listen to it and only having heard Cannonball before. That's awesome. I'm really happy that, that it was actually not a drag for anyone else. No, it took me to a good There's place. There's always that. There's always it that, me, uh, that took, possibility that I like love something that it's just me. And yeah, I never no, know. It, it took me to a good place. Okay, so the joke is this. I write jokes for a living. I sit at my hotel at night, I think of something that's funny, then I go get a pen and I write it down. Or, if the pen is too far away, I have to convince myself that what I thought of ain't funny. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Um, yeah, I would not like... I, this is an album that I would like just share with somebody like start to finish like i wouldn't cut it up as an ep i wouldn't be like oh hey you need to check out this song it would very much be like listen to the whole album even if you're not someone that kind of opens up and can appreciate all the different approaches from every track there will be something on this album that will stick in your head for days it just there's some really great solid alternative pop melodies Okay, so why don't we do this? Can we do our? Can we do our? Can we try our, our new segments here? Okay, so start with you. Starting with you, Ryan. What's your sweater song? What's your free bird of this record? So, I think the I just sweater want to put song on is. The record. Yeah. Uh, I just want to put on the record that I think this is a particularly difficult task for this album because lyrically they're all the sweater songs. <laughs> The sweater song for me is probably Cannonball, and that again, you can't like you're gonna get hooked. Like it's gonna get you hooked, and there's more depth to the album than it, but it's also a really solid lesson. There's enough stuff that I loved on this that I could have cut. I could have cut Cannonball if it was possible. So it, it feels like a sweater song situation where it, it almost strong arms me into liking it. And in terms of what would be my free bird? Yeah. Uh, maybe, I don't know, for me, it's maybe like Invisible Man or. It's, it's a know. tough one, man. Right? That one's really hard. Maybe like Invisible Man or Raw, and that, like, it, it's, yeah. It, there's more to it than you anticipate at first, and it settles in a very pleasant way every time. 
Yeah, that's a tough one. I'm going to say that for sure. All right, Jenny, what's your sweater song? What's your free bird? I'm picking Cannonball for the sweater song only because it is very much in that vein of, I'm not even sure what exactly is going on in this song. <laughs> we now know because you like looked it up and provided some guidance, but up until this day, I've heard this album for what, 20 years, almost, give or take. And I still, I was singing, but I really didn't know what I was singing about, per se. But it was goofy, and it was fun to sing to, so that's my sweater song. Okay. Lewis, I hear you on the Freebird, and I struggled similarly with that one. And I have to say that Invisible Man almost made it, but I would have to say I think there's one that comes just a little bit closer, and that's Do You Love Me Now. Because... It's a slow burner, and then it builds, and it seems to have, it, it at least hits the theme. Yeah, <laughs> like, I, I guess the Freebird thing, like, the thing about what makes a song a Freebird song, like, it's, for me, it's the song that I'm gonna go see them live. I expect to hear it, and potentially they will, cl like, close with it. There may be an encore, but really expect to hear it, because it's, yeah. Oh, I was doing that more literally in like yeah. which one is Most stylistically like similar. Yeah, stylistically yeah. similar. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right on that. Like it's, it's mm. longer and it films in a similar way. Yeah. And, and you know, somebody's relationship has apparently not gone correctly. So <laughs> that similarity as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jenny took all my thunder because that was going to be my free bird also for basically the exact same reason. Like I was thinking like, okay, which song is like, what song kind of has a slow burn to like something and there aren't too many songs that do right and then not to say that they don't go places but they don't go that place most of the time but that one's probably the closest one and then also it's not a it's not a do you love me now fuck you you can't have me which would maybe be a little bit closer to like the spirit and sentiment of Freebird. but the thing is if you think about like the sentiment of that song, right? It's like wistful because the claim is like that the universe isn't gonna let this work out because I am who I am. I'm a free bird. Like, maybe if I wasn't, like things would be different, but this is who I am. So it's like a little wistful and I feel like Do You Love Me Now is also wistful, but like more like egoless and like more like painful, right? Yeah. But it's a struggle to me. It's tough. Like, I don't... They're not a free well, I mean, bird band. <laughs> you know? No, but also think about last week. Like, we were... You guys were talking about how Billy Childish is angry at women a lot. And mm -hmm. I was, like... I was thinking about that when I listened to this album. I was like, there are some sad love songs on here, but they're not really angry. They're more just kind of like, oh, damn. That's, yeah. That's yes. <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is, I just want to get along, but I, that's probably about as close as you're going to get to that, to even coming close to that, half of that emotion. Billy Childish is a type A personality, yeah. right? Kim and Kelly are not, right? And yeah, so it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's not a, it's not a free bird band, but if I have yeah. to choose one, it would be that song. And then my sweater song is No Aloha because I have no idea what the fuck that's about. Apologies to Crass Zorro. I have no idea what the fuck it's about, but it's also the song that, like, it's my favorite song on the record, and it's cool, and it's, like I said, it's, like, predecessor to a lot of music that I really like. So, yeah. 
You want to do some ratings, or do we want to talk about Hag? I guess that's your favorite song on there, Jenny. Maybe you can expound on that. I'm gonna I'm gonna duck out real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. Sorry. No, I'm good. I think I might have already spilled my load on that one, but I can if you want to put it back on. I'll yeah, yeah, play put it back play. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beginning. And, and I think this is why I never really paid attention long enough in the early days to realize that how much I liked it is because this is like some sort of little drummer boy stuff. And the immediately I'm just like, what? And not only that, but the notes are like not, they're just not grabbing me. But right here, where they start devolving into this kind of grungy slow jam, I love this. I love it. It has... The, I don't know if I can really, I'm, I'm not music, I'm not, I don't play an instrument, I don't, certainly don't play guitar, and I can't speak about it in, in intelligent musical terms, but I love that the way that she puts all of this together, and you know, you can hear like the high guitar notes, they're just over top of it, you can pick apart, if you listen closely enough, you can pick apart all these cool little things that are happening at the same time. And I just love, I just absolutely love the notes to it, the entire melody of that part. I could go through here and just trim this little drummer boy part of the song totally out, take only just the good part, and I could put it on repeat for 24 hours straight, no hmm. joke. It's that good. It's just musical crack, and I feel sad that I didn't pick up on it when I was younger, but... That's in a way, that's cool because I got to rediscover it and, and it didn't turn into a cannonball, which is still a great song and I still love, but I get a little bit of that radio fatigue sometimes, like the same thing with Steely Dan, which it's great, but it's just, man, I have heard that so many times. Right, now. right. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, there's something there's something I love about that kind of grungy, yeah, this part. Okay. It just becomes a ballad a little bit. This song is one of the more pixiest sounding songs, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. And even her singing, it's she's never screaming really, but there's a couple places where it gets somewhat remotely close to that. And also, I just really want to know what coastal cuts are like. Who, what woman has pissed her off, or is this like a man who said these things to her? I'm very invested in this now because <laughs> they're so nonsensical that I I just feel like, huh, is this her just relating what some dude has said about her? Is this her being pissed at some bitch who's wronged her? What is going on here? <laughs> who who is the coastal cutthroat, and what is going on? Yeah, dude, I don't know, man. And there's nothing on Genius, so... Who, I, I'm not surprised. Who's gonna... Who can say? At least she's narrowed it, because the Midwest is out, so yeah. we got left coast, east coast, you know, two-thirds okay. of the country. She, she says, you, you, she, she's a you dirty switch. Are you, like that, she's saying, you dirty bitch, right? It's, I, I, now, I, I think it's playing into that, it's all like you're turned on again. Like that next line, like, you're on again. Yeah. See, again, but this is cool. Okay, see, this is cool. It could go either way. It's just fucking, whatever it is, though, she's done it cleverly in that right. there's, like, enough metaphor there that, like, it's, I now know, don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Also, Hag, Hag is such a, like, a, it's, like, such a funny insult to me. Because right? like, it's like, it's almost like medieval. I don't know. I feel like someone got caught. This is like a more kind of old English type of term. Maybe I'm just making that up, but like a hag. 
<laughs> oh, she also has this lyric where she says, you're just like a woman, and it's just like a woman, or are you? Like, aren't you? Is aren't this you? some sort of, like, old Greg situation? Because I'm getting old Greg vibes between the hag, which is like a, is that like a C term? I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sea hag, yeah. Sea hag, there you go. Yeah, that's it. Totally. Yeah. There, there we go. It, it's just old Greg, guys. We've solved it. Moving. We're done. Thank God. Thank All right, God. Done. Solved. Okay. That that would be funny if yeah yeah if that was the inspiration. Yeah, we we're sitting around listening to Breeders album. I mean, listen. <laughs> old old Greg is horny. You must admit, he is always turned on. All right. Okay. Any any other songs we want to cover or anything else, you guys? Yeah, I, you know. Go for it. I see. All right, so Saints is on your list really high, Tova. Yeah. Can you talk about Saints a little bit? Mm. It happens to be on, so yeah. Yeah, that's exactly like, like I really dig it. I don't know. There's so many songs that like I feel it's unfortunate that it didn't make my cut, and again, why I probably wouldn't cut this album normally. But I'll talk about Saints a little bit since it was the one on your list and. Didn't make either of ours. I don't. Uh, yeah, and I don't. I like the song. Yeah, there's no. Yeah. I, I think what's funny. I think what I feel about the song is that I feel what you feel about Divine Hammer a little bit, yeah, right? Where it's, it's cool. It's cool. I like it. it's catchy. It's just a little repetitive. It's like the riff is like a little repetitive. Oh. Yeah, but listen yeah. though, that that's my jam, guys. Matt, it matters. Like I don't care if a song's repetitive if I can really dig into it then I'm fine because, in fact, repetitive is better because when I have it the same single one song on repeat for 12 hours, it flows really seamlessly because I have issues and I'll just listen to a single song. I like the way that the vocals, like, you have these, like, high-range, like, sing-songy background vocals that come in and hers is, like, the lead vocal and this is so much lower and, like, weavy. It's, like, it has a drunk quality to it. So I think what I would say about it is that I can see how if you didn't, if the like the music or the, I guess the melody or whatever wasn't really your cup of tea or grabbing you or striking you as interesting, I can see how you would have that sort of like repetitive fatigue for sure. Fortunately, yeah. I ha- there's enough here and I can dig into it to where it becomes more of just like, like Lewis said, the, I feel like the guitars, you have like the bass, which is like very consistent and keeps you like very grounded to like that beat. But at the same time, the voices and the guitars are constantly just doing this in a very perfect way that I really, it, I don't like, know, just get into it. It really makes me think of Courtney Love. Like, yeah. this song reminds me of a whole song. Yes, it does. That's a great she call, has, dude. That's a great call. She, she has this kind of sassy, like whiny, sassy, like wavy kind of quality to the vocal, and it sounds so much like Courtney. Totally. It does. And Good also, call. I love the fact that, like, this, like every other song, it's just, I don't know, for as far as I can tell, it's literally about affair, and there's no deeper meaning yeah. here. But she yeah. also, in a way, just sounds like shitty about it. She's, look, summer's fucking ready. Just go. There's a pair. <laughs> Why are yeah. you still here? And I, I don't know. That's interesting, too. Yeah, it's a cool song. Yeah, cool. So let's talk about rating. Okay. Um, Toma, your album, you go first. I'm real tempted to give it a four or five, but I think maybe I'll give it a four. Okay. To what end? Okay. 
Because I, again, like I rate things a little differently, I think, than you guys do. But one of my things is, as a whole, there's so little on this that I don't like. There's really, besides Divine, yeah, besides Divine Hammer, I'm really not skipping anything. I'm really not. And it's hard, I think, to write a whole album with songs good enough that I will sit down and listen to the whole entire thing. Mm -hmm. Even 20 years later, I will listen to the whole thing. That, that takes work. That's pretty remarkable. It's, I don't think I can say it about too many other things. Okay. I'm also going to give it four stars. It's great. It's great. I love the Pixies. Like Pod, I hadn't listened to this record like beginning to end in a long time. It was fun. It was great. It was cool. So many good songs. Yeah, interesting lyrics. Great sounds. All these sounds, different sounds that are cool. Yeah. And I think the Deal sisters are fucking awesome and cool. And, and if I would have known more about them, I probably would have crushed on them much harder. <laughs> in some ways, I'm glad. But their look, which is like still like feminine, like they do still do the like the the lipstick and stuff. But they were also just not like really interested in being like a normal yeah, girl that, that or any of that stuff. Yeah, right? like they they weren't full on grunge, but you know, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's four stars for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a no brainer. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat in that, like, like it's four stars because from beginning to end, it's great. I, it's going to make heavy rotation through the rest of my life, especially since I've missed out on it so long. But the thing that I struggle with is if it were a, like, start to finish genre defining album, I would be probably closer to giving it a five. But at the same time, the, the versatility that all the musicians on this album show, like, almost requires that it gets the same level of respect as somebody who's, like, defining a genre. So I think I'm in that four, four and a half range where it's like, there's not a bad sound anywhere on this album. I think if they would have been more consistent, it would have blown up a lot harder because I think people wanted that, like, that similarity of sound in 93, if you get a really good kind of grungy sound that came through, I think people wanted to hear that start to finish on an album. But I, I really like the fact that they don't have that at a time where that stuff just became like a wave of the same sound coming at you through a different amplifier. The fact that they could say, hey, you may not be listening to alt country right now, but this is good stuff and you should dig into this a little deeper or just there's so much really like ahead of its time about this album that it like it's hard not to give it a five when you look at how much further ahead of the game they were on all these sounds that all of us really love now um so i think i'm at four and a half i think four point four and a half wow okay cool I was I was really struggling between four and four and a half, and I forgot that last week I unilaterally made quarters a thing. So I, I'm changing four point two five. Four point two five. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, so okay, are. we no, that's good. So we hit an average of four point two five. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, that's good. That's solid. It's okay. solid. Thank you, Jenny. That was it was like a crazy week for me, so it was very easy to listen to and fun. 
Let's make cool. up for uh, the time I made you listen to Days of Future Past. <laughs> that was, yeah, yeah. I don't know. But no, that was my own fault, honestly. I have my ideas go into like different buckets. Like sometimes there's like a something that I enjoy, but also is just really out there. And like maybe sometimes we're in the mood to switch things up, and that's definitely one of those. That's just yeah. let's just do something totally different for better or worse. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so look, before we end this episode, I, I think it's my turn. And I was debating between two, and in the last ten minutes I realized I think there's only one clear, correct answer. So I would like us to take the double album from, I believe it's 96 or 97, maybe it's 97, Life After Death by the Notorious B.I.G., it's a double album, and we're going to make it a single single album. It desperately needs it, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. We're going to make it a, second, a single album, and it's going to be our first hip-hop record. And yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. So, Jenny, I think if you give it a good, fair shot, I think you're going to dig it. But Listen. it definitely needs to be cut into one record. Like, they, they made it a double album. In many ways, I think I think it was going to come out as a double album regardless, but it's excessive, I would say. I am going to try my best to give this the fair shot it totally deserves, but I must warn you, I had a roommate in undergrad who played Hypnotize a lot, very loudly, <laughs> at 3 a.m., and had speakers such that my bed like would shake because oh, my wow. room was above his. Okay. Well, this is the baggage. And so I acknowledge my bias coming into this. It's not Biggie's fault at all. I will do my best. This is the, I yeah. Will, no, it's it's okay. But th- we all bring baggage. This yeah. is the baggage you're bringing. And that's fine. So um, I would encourage you, Koma, to, because I know you like to dig into some of the things that are happening for musicians and like the music sound of it all. Take a look at, there's a website called whosampled.com. Wow. Okay. Take a look at the stuff that they sample in the track. All like, right. Dig in, dig into the choices that they make when they're sampling this, and what the song was before they found this piece of the song and made it into this. Because I think for people that don't maybe listen to a lot of hip hop, like kind of. I, I don't know who you that, could be talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just. I, I try to think about ways to turn people on to stuff that. No, that's a very on. good piece of advice, and honestly, it, it'll be yeah. helpful. It'll give me something to Ryan, try to like. Are you thinking like kicking the door, for example? I think you'll be. Sh- I, all I'm saying is, I think she'll be shocked at some of the stuff bum, that bum, is bum, recognizable. Bum. Yeah, for sure. And, and and what is done with it to make some of these tracks and make some of these samples. I think that's one of the most fascinating things about production is the way that like certain producers have an ear for a thing and they tweak it just right. I was listening to the Questlove podcast, Questlove Supreme, yeah. and they re-ran some Jazzy Jeff interviews, yeah. and they run through basically what, what was the track where they would play like five seconds of the song and you would guess, name that tune. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. they do it in that tune, but they do that with a quarter second of music what? And, and Jeff destroys it. Wow. Like he the sound is just like bah, 
and he's oh yeah that's studded there for at least 95 percent. i think there may be one song that stumped him and it is not easily recognizable songs yeah that's cool like a producer's a hip-hop producer's ear is a pretty incredible thing and like notorious big like there's some really great samples it's it's too bad sky's the limit is not on there right that's no it's not on the album because we've already covered that one right yeah (laughs) The, yeah, yeah. Wait, what was the Bobby Bobby wait no Bobby Caldwell uh, Caldwell no. yeah Bobby yeah. Caldwell okay yeah that's what I thought yeah. okay yeah yeah we, we already we did the Yacht Rock diversion <laughs> yeah. or whatever but anyway yeah so next week Biggie Life After Death the double album we're gonna make it a single record and I'm excited to get to dive back into the world of the Notorious B.I.G. it's overdue oh and one last thing Jenny uh, one of my one of my Boys is Inigo, but we call him Iggy. It has definitely happened when that song's come on. We've said Iggy, 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 can't you see? Uh, Sometimes your words don't. <laughs> yeah, so there's no doubt. Okay, so. Does he like think of that as his song now? In, in some ways, that? but then we have to like basically mute the verses. It's just, huh? it's funny because I was playing the kids. The kids like to play music, they like to dance or whatever. And like I was playing them some of those like 90s songs. And yeah, this was a while ago before I think they really could even remotely understand the lyrics and it's amazing how Tupac's like big pop songs you can play the verses and like it's no big deal like he's not like saying but in Biggie's like in Hypnotize for example he's talking about kidnapping a judge's daughter and like in the the basement like literally like (laughs) he's just he's talking about like crimes that he'd go away to jail for like decades and you know He's talking about menage a trois, and I don't know. It's just that's his like pop yeah. song. This is, yeah, this is definitely the height of like hip hop excess. Yeah, this is yeah. So we need. So what we need to do is we need to kick Puff fucking Puff Daddy. I'm not gonna call him P Diddy or whatever the fuck people call him these days. Puffy. We need to kick Puffy. Don Puffy. Combs. Yeah, we need to kick Puffy out the fucking studio and tell Biggie, hey, check this shit out. We're gonna make this one album. It's gonna be great. And we're not gonna stuff it with a bunch of bullshit and make it two albums. We're gonna make it one album and it's gonna be fucking great. So, that's the mission. I think it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Okay. Anyway, okay, yeah, thank you guys, thank you for listening.